You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Autumn, and today Jasper is on a bit of vacation, and instead I have a very special guest with me, Mark Coker, the CEO and founder of Smashwords. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Hi, Autumn. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I really appreciate it. I'll let you introduce maybe more of your background than I could have scraped off the web, if you would be so kind. Well, how much do you want? (laughs) Well, we have 45 minutes, but I think um, guests, you know, they might want us to get into, we're going to talk about your 2021 publishing predictions. So, you know, I'll make it it really quick. So uh, the story of Smashwords. So I founded Smashwords about 13 years ago. Um, It was born out of necessity. My wife and I uh, had written a book together. My wife is a former reporter for Soap Opera Weekly magazine. So we wrote a Romana Clef about the soap opera industry. Uh, wrote it in a cabin in the woods in Vermont. I know. We uh, just found a Vermont connection. Yes, I'm so excited. Yes. yes. Um, we were lucky enough to get represented by Distel and Goderich in New York. Nice. So one of the top agencies, they shopped yeah. it around to all the major publishers of commercial women's fiction nice. twice for two years and, and just got nothing but rejection. And, and the, the only feedback that we got from the publishers that, that you know, they, they never tell you that your book sucks or that your writing sucks. They just say it's, it's not right for us or we don't know how to place it or whatever. The only feedback that we got was that previous novels that had targeted soap opera fans hadn't performed well. So they were, they weren't willing to take a, a chance on our work. Um, and it was really disappointing to have the, the door shut in our faces. And I started thinking about, the challenges that we were facing, we knew that, you know, we'd already shown our book to fans of soap operas and we knew that fans of soap operas enjoyed our books, our book. Um, so I started imagining, you know, there are probably hundreds of thousands, millions of other writers just like us who were unable to get a book deal simply because the publishers didn't see the commercial potential in their work. And then I also started thinking, you know, commercial potential is the wrong way to value literature. It, it, it you know, books are worth so much more than money. You can't measure them by money alone. And if we're only going to measure the value of a worth based on how many, the value of a book based on how many copies it can sell, then, then eventually we're just going to have nothing but celebrity books. And, and we don't want that. You know, I, I, I love diversity in writing, diversity in thought. And, um, you know, what better way, um, to, you know, to, to celebrate the diversity of humanity than to let anyone publish. So I thought, you know, anybody in the world should be able to publish because at the time you could self-publish a video on YouTube, you know, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, Um, you could self-publish on a blog. And, you know, it was still, it was a contentious time. People thought, well, how dare someone think they can be a reporter or a journalist on their blog or, or publish on YouTube. But, you know, these people were reaching massive audiences and, and some of them were commercializing this audience. So why not make it possible for any writer anywhere in the world to publish an ebook for free? And that's 
that was the genesis of Smashwords. That's what we launched in early 2008. Um, we were pretty much first to market with it. Um, Amazon launched their digital text platform, which is now KDP, uh, just a couple months before us. So you know, oh, wow. we were working on the same thing at the <laughs> same time. Say, um, you know, launched at a great time. We launched at a time when eBooks were less than 1% of the overall book yeah. market. Had no idea that they were about to explode mm-hmm. like they did. Um, and so it was just this perfect storm, you know, in those first early years of 2008, 2013, where the promise of self-publishing met uh, the, the, the advantages of digital distribution of eBooks because suddenly retailers could stock every single book Every single ebook. They wanted every single ebook from every self published author. And we were there at the beginning, knocking down those doors and opening up these major retailers uh, to self published authors. And once self published authors got mainstream distribution at Barnes and Noble, Sony, you know, Kobo, uh, Apple, um, Amazon, um, their sales exploded. Yeah. And it completely changed. Um, how writers and how the industry views self-publishing because 13 years ago, there was a tremendous stigma around self-publishing. Oh gosh. I Uh, remember that. Yes. Yeah. No one wanted to self-publish, you know, unless you were foolish, really. I mean, you really had to believe in yourself. Yeah. You're almost considered either a failure or your book was an quality. All there was a horrible thing to get over that people today don't even realize. Right. It was a horrible time. And, and writers were the most vicious to their fellow writers. That's you know, changed at fo- least a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, somewhat. Sometimes. That's <laughs> true. Sometimes. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was a, back 13, 14 years ago. Uh, if you self-published, really your only option to self-publish was in print. But without a traditional publisher supporting you, you weren't going to be able to get bookstore distribution. And if you couldn't get in stores where people went to buy books, you were going to fail as a writer. And that's why most self-published authors were failing. It wasn't necessarily because they were sucky writers or that they were vain. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. All publishing is vain. Okay. All publishing is vanity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You've got to, you, you believe you've created something. You believe that it's valuable to other people. There's some vanity in that. So let's just admit it all. And, um, but yeah, but what we saw is that readers don't care if a book is self-published or if it comes from a publisher. They just care about the quality of that author, the quality of the writing, and the value that they're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so everything changed, you know, very, very quickly in 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, you know, we were there at a very exciting time and, you know, writers around the world were unleashed upon the world as published authors. And, you know, Many of them didn't sell very much, but a few of them, you know, the same authors that couldn't get a traditional publishing deal, the same authors that couldn't get an agent, you know, started becoming international bestsellers, you know, New York Times bestsellers, USA Today bestsellers, Wall Street Journal bestsellers. Um, so it's exciting. And every time there's a, a an indie author who's successful, it, it really inspires the rest of us. It, t- it shows us that, yes, you can self-publish with pride professionalism and commercial success. And so what else matters? Exactly. To me, I, everyone, a lot of gurus and advice in writing and industry. And I know you've written 
read on your blog, you know, you have to define what success is for you. And to me, yeah. you know, I'm I've, by the time this is released, I'll have been released, but I'm actually releasing my 21st book um, this coming Sunday, and I'm hearing back from the ARC team. And I mean, these are already fans. That's why I chose them to be part of my book launch and to hear them like, oh, this is the best you've ever read, written, you know, it's gripping. And you're like, I just love you. <laughs> you know, to have one reader say that to you, to me, that's success. And that is just, you can't get that if it wasn't for platforms like Smashwords or, you know, Amazon and all the others. But, you know, full disclosure, I suppose I should have full disclosure, right? I joined Smashwords. I did Amazon independently and I uploaded my debut novel, Born of Water, to Smashwords in 2012. I'm almost 10 years old on the platform. Wow. So <laughs> I'm very excited. So I've been with you, not since your beginning, but since my beginning as an author and my journey. And I think there's Smashwords. I know there's a lot of other platforms. Um, Draft to Digital is one that, you know, I think is a very direct competitor since you acted as, as a distributor and so does draft to digital but you to me you offer more benefits and i've kept all my books on smashwords not just because of loyalty because i love your message and i love the feeling that you really care about authors and you're an author but i do offer things like coupons you've just started doing something else i want to ask you about a pre-release pre-sale feature pre-sales oh yes yeah. I want to talk about that in a little bit. It's part of sort of your predictions. So you have these really cool things that I don't know any other platform where I can say like, you know what, I'm going to give people who join my reader list a 50% off coupon, or I'm going to give them a special free coupon. You do. It's just so cool. It's so easy. And I really appreciate the flexibility, the things you can do on Smashwords that you really do not have control on any other platform. Well, thanks. You know, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of authors that have been with Smashwords for you know for ten years or longer that still have not um, been introduced to so, so so many of these tools that we provide. <laughs> I have to admit, you have an author you know, questionnaire section, and I started filling it out, but I never finished it. So. But oh, the author, the, the author interviews? Yes, I, I started mine, and I don't think I ever finished it and hit publish. Yeah, so, you know, that was one of my many wacky ideas. You know, my background is in public relations. I used to run yeah. a PR agency. Okay. And, you know, in PR, our job was to get our Fortune 500 clients interviewed in the press. Oh, I like it, you, that. You know, you're always looking for free press coverage. Everybody wants to be interviewed and tell their story. And, you know, authors are the same way. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could just create this tool that would allow authors to interview themselves yeah. and, and share the story behind the author? And uh, so that's been a really fun feature. I, I think we've had that feature for six or seven years now. Yeah, um, so. <laughs> yeah that's one of many features. And you mentioned Smashwords coupons. You know, that's yeah. something we did very early on. I think we introduced Smashwords coupons maybe in 2009. Mm -hmm. And we've since, you know, expanded it. I mean, there's so many different couponing options that we offer now. Nobody in the industry offers no. the the breadth and depth and the flexibility. You can create any kind of custom coupon using these yeah. tools. Um, it is it's, fantastic. It's and fun you, to see. I'm, yeah, it is fun to see, I bet, to see them being used. And just, uh, that would be, I mean, it's neat to be a re have a reader talk to you as an author, but to have all these authors using your platform and Making sales and making connections must be amazing. Yeah, I you know, I can't I still can't believe that Smashwords became what it did. Yeah. I can't believe that like hundred and fifty thousand 
authors around the world are using us. I can't believe that we've got like 550,000 books. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, lots of things have changed. It has. Like you mentioned, we have competitors now. I yes. mean, there are dozens, really hundreds of Smashwords clones out there now. Yes. Um, and there are just so many different ways to get your books out. It's pretty confusing it for is. writers, especially new new writers. Yes. Uh, because sometimes too much choice is paralyzing. I totally agree. I was vegetarian like when I for walk a into while. The... <laughs> yeah. oh, <okay. laughs> because it yeah. kind of cut things out really easy to say, okay, no meat. Oh, that's three options. I can do that. Yeah. Well, I, I just feel like, you know, when it, I, I just imagine new writers coming onto the scene now and it must, they must feel like I feel when I go to the grocery store to buy laundry detergent. Oh, geez. You know, how do you choose? There's, there's 30 different brands <laughs> and different types and, and they all kind of do the same thing. They all clean clothes. So how do I choose? <laughs> I mean, often I'll go to buy laundry detergent and I see too much choice and I just don't buy anything. Uh, and, I, and I see definitely. that. I see that happening with a lot of authors that they, they just get so paralyzed by the con- complexity what's involved in becoming a self-published business person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often they, it, it put, it makes them vulnerable to making poor decisions, to uh, falling victim to predators. Yeah. Oh yeah. That um, is horribly true. Unfortunately, um, yeah. there's too many services. I mean, working as a writing coach and we offer some courses at am writing fantasy, and we try to be very upfront about what we offer, but that's the other side of it, that people who are predatory on new authors and basically they, they're stealing like authors dreams. Sometimes they make it to the point where the author gives up and I just, Oh, I totally. That. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. It makes me really mad when I, mm-hmm. yeah. When you, you talk stories. about dreams being stolen, that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, a writer may spend their entire life dreaming of writing a book, and then they finally get to the point where they make the commitment to do it and complete it. Mm. And to have someone take advantage of them at that very moment when they're most vulnerable, when they're first learning, yeah. and 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 basically just parasitize their opportunity, um, it's, it's really sad to see. It's why education is so important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and it's I, why, you know, indie authors need to look out for their fellow indies. Yes. That's why I think groups and the, there are some benefits to social media and some of the platforms as much as I'm sometimes some. horrible on them. Yeah. But yes. we can support each other and send out tips and warnings uh, to let you know, you know, don't listen to this one or, you know, don't you ask for advice on things because otherwise you can end up in definitely the wrong spot and lose a lot of hard work or at least the passion you had because that can really just suck it away. Now I did, I don't know if you noticed this, but I did think of it. Amazon recently rolled out that authors actually allow you to control your series. You guys, that's been on your platform since I think I uploaded my first book in a series. I thought that I'm like, Oh, they're copying you guys now. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm used to, I I can't (laughs) say I enjoy it, but you know, we've invented many things yeah. at Smashwords and, and then it just gets copied. Many of these innovations just get copied. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons that 
you know, for the first time ever, we filed for a patent for the Smashwords pre-sales tool that you mentioned. Yes, that's a good idea. You guys deserve it because I, I, like I said, I've stuck around. I think you guys have a lot of integrity and you have a lot of feeling and you truly care about authors, which is fantastic. And part of what you do, so every year, I believe, from what looking back, you do these publishing predictions and then you do a follow-up post at the end of the year. So this year you did 13 yeah. of them. And I know it hit home for me because I, looking at um, how you talked about Facebook, Amazon, and Google solidifying their platforms really because of COVID. They became these monsters in 2020. And you looked at that and that really hit home for me, especially because like I mentioned, I, I was organizing this ARC team and I had one reader who's been with me for, I think, almost the whole time. And she's like, well, I would love to join the launch team, but you probably want reviews for Amazon. And you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I didn't ask, she can't do reviews on Amazon. And I'm like, no, you know, the whole point of this is not to put more money in the number one, the most world's most mm -hmm. richest man's pocket. I'm like, you can, you can post on Goodreach, which is technically still owned by Amazon. You can post on your blog. And so, yeah, she's on my, my launch team because it's not all about just Amazon. And yeah. I thought it was so interesting though. You talked about how these big places became massive in 2020. And that's how you began your predictions. Yeah. You know, it, it's really interesting to see it, it, You know, I spent a lot of time last year as everyone else did <laughs> thinking about the pandemic. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I like to think about how what's happening today is going to impact the world, you know, one, two, five, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. And, um, and it, it's also fun to stick to sit back and think about some of the big macro trends that are powering forward and mm -hmm. like, like a, like a storm just carrying us in the wind. Um, and, and so, you know, e-commerce is a really big trend that, you know, people moving online, doing more of their transactions online, more of their, not just their socializing online, but their purchasing and, and entertainment online. Mm -hmm. Um, so things have been moving to the online space for a long time, but what we saw and, and, and we've also seen consolidation over the last 10, 15 years around a couple of really big tech platforms, mm -hmm. you know, Amazon, Google, um, Facebook. And what, what's really coming to light now is that the pandemic and the lockdowns accelerated the consolidation around these few large companies. Um, and, each of these large companies um, mediates the relationship between the writer and the writer's audience. Mm -hmm. They are the new gatekeepers. Yeah. They determine which readers can see your book, which readers can consider your book. So if you, if you, if you're marketing on Facebook, you've got to pay them. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you've built up your own organic social media platform there, you've got to pay them now to reach your own audience. Um, if you're publishing at Amazon, um, Amazon is now pay to play. Yes. They is. have so much power in the business. They determine which books are seen and which aren't. And the books that are seen are either the exclusive books under KDP Select or books published by the Amazon imprints or books where the author is willing to pay a tax or a toll in mm -hmm. the form of Amazon advertising to basically trample the platforms of other authors <laughs> because that that's the, that's the way um, that, I mean, that 
the way Amazon advertising is set up, it's very nefarious. Yeah. Because basically when you pay to advertise, you are paying to trample another author's brand. Yeah, you're I mean, definitely you, you grabbing can, onto their coattails and holding on. Yeah, like you can go to Amazon right now, type mm-hmm. in your pen name. Yeah. And the first four results are going to be for other authors. Yeah, I that did notice huge, that. Yes, that is a huge disservice to your readers because your readers are looking for books by you. Right. All right. But the first results that come up are sponsored ads from other authors. So your readers are confused and being diverted away from you, even though they're looking from you. Um, so that's that's a that's a pretty toxic, caustic, um, you know, system long term, and we're seeing that it's it's basically going to suck the profits out of publishing and make them more pay to play. So you don't have to pay Amazon to publish there, but if you want to be seen, these are the yeah. these are the toll gates that Amazon's putting up. So. You know, authors need to be concerned about this. You know, authors are losing their independence. They're losing their ability to control their own destinies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's because you've got a, a, a few very strong platforms have consolidated their power, consolidated their market reach. In the case of Amazon, um, you know, they, they control the world's largest collection of ebook buyers. Yeah. Um, a very powerful search engine that everyone likes to say is just so good. But like you said, what's the purpose of the best search engine you can run when now it's bringing up only Amazon, you know, ads that people are paying there. Yeah. I, I, what we've seen with Amazon over the last 13 years is we went from, or they went from really a brilliantly architected search system Mm -hmm. where books that were selling best and being reviewed the best by readers would bubble up and become more visible. That, that to me is an example of good search, good organic mm-hmm. discovery, but what they've been doing over the years, um, you know, every single year they make little policy tweaks yeah. that all have the effect of, um, of putting up barriers, right. making the search results. And I talked about this in the predictions going from organic to inorganic, uh, no, no one's ever referred to search algorithms as organic or inorganic. Or, well, I guess organic they have, but inorganic. I mean, th- these are artificial constructs that Amazon has created. So they're not they're not recommending books to readers because that's the book that the reader will satisfy the reader the most, right. or that's the book that the reader is looking for. They are recommending books that benefit Amazon the most books that cost Amazon less books where Amazon can pay the author a loyal, a lower royalty or books where they can pay an effective loyal, an effectively lower royalty, because in order for you to get that 70%, you had to pay, you know, a whole bunch of money in Amazon advertising. So your effective royalty rate is not 70% anymore at Amazon. If you're using their tools, you know, if you're in KDP select, you're exclusive the cost to you is you don't get to distribute anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a cost to that. Yeah. And, and these are costs that are things... difficult to manage, to, to measure. It is. And that's one of the things you talked about was KDP select and even Kobo select, which I hadn't even thought of, but these subscription services, I mean, what that is, you talked, you talked about how that is really dragging down the royalty for all authors, because we're going to start getting used to less and less. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it concerns me that authors are so quick to take less. Mm-hmm. 
I and I, I hadn't it, thought it, of it that way until I read how you'd written it. And I'm like, you're right. We're like we're so desperate for readers that we're willing to say, here's our book for free, or you know, for just pennies, pennies for what other people would normally pay to read. Yeah, I, I just read a story the other day. Um, I forgot the name of the company. It just brought in like sixteen million dollars in venture funding. Oh wow, they, <laughs> nothing little, <laughs> nothing big. Um, they're paying authors twenty five percent list. Wow. That's crazy. Authors who sign contracts with them. You know, authors, it, it concerns me that so many authors are willing to work for free. Yes. I, I and, do agree. And, you know, I, and, and to work for less in exchange for readership. I mean, you talked earlier about what it feels like to, to oh, yeah. receive those adulations from your readers, right. because that's, that's really why we write. We wrote, we write to touch people and to change the world. Uh, that's right. where most writers are coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a higher purpose. Um, and, and so, you know, Amazon understands that writers write for reasons that are different than traditional publishers publish. Traditional publishers are publishing because they're running a business to make money. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not that traditional publishers are bad people. They're all book lovers too. But the business, the nature of the business itself is they're, they they have to make money to keep the lights on. Right. Authors who are working from home, who might have other sources of income, or who just love to write because they're artists and want to express themselves. Slightly addicted to have, it. <laughs> well, look, I, I think I think art is one of the most noble pursuits anyone can pursue. Yeah. All right. This is art. Yes. And it's it's not the most lucrative job. This is not a job. This is not a career that you follow to make a lot of money. You know, I've I've been telling people since I first founded Smashwords, if you want to make a lot of money, go get a job at McDonald's. You'll make more. <laughs> most probably. authors will make more working full-time at McDonald's than they will as a self-published author. You've got to be doing this for reasons other than money. Mm-hmm. But if you're smart, you can do it for the love of writing but still make money. And if you do treat it like a business, right? Yeah, and that—that's—that's that's, you know the advice that I try to give authors. You know, a lot of the advice that we share is focused on, you know, evergreen best practices, things that will help you um, achieve all of your dreams, help you reach readers, help you touch readers, but also help you earn some income because you deserve it. Right. Um, but in order for an author to maximize their their opportunity, they need to approach it like a smart business person. And that's where the education comes in because we're not all naturally business people. You know, writers come from all walks, Mm -hmm. you know, like someone who studied art in college didn't (laughs) study business like I did. That's right. And I, I studied study art, art, so I, yeah, I okay. studied art, oh. so I get it. And yeah, it, is, I, yeah. it is, if I could rewrite, if I could redo the entire educational system, every a part of high school would be money management and business classes, because almost oh, everyone totally. has a side gig, a side has a passion that they're developing on the side, and they're going to start their own little business at some point. Whether it's mowing lawns or writing a book, we all should have those basics market marketing and business expense ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be awesome if they would introduce that into the, like the high school curriculum, financial literacy. Oh, because you know, if, if you don't understand the language, Mm -hmm. you don't understand the terms or the concepts, then you get victimized by it. Exactly. Definitely. But you did. So we have, you know, you have these, uh, 
these trends where, and you'd even mentioned that there's a lot of platforms and you said we've had some consolidation, but you think even some of these duplicates and all these, there's thousands of places you can sell your books. You think some of those might be slowly fading maybe in 2021. Yeah. I, I, I think we're going to see continued consolidation in publishing and, and from multiple areas. So we've already got the the pending acquisition of Simon & Schuster by Penguin Random House, assuming that goes through. It may not go through um, if the government takes a close look at that because um, too much consolidation in the publishing industry starts creating an anti-competitive environment that's not good for other publishers and not good for consumers. Um, so we'll see if that goes through, but there's definitely strong uh, momentum toward further consolidation in publishing among publishers to reach, you know, this is, it's, in a, in a, publishing is a slow growth business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's being generous, calling publishing a growth business. It, 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 it's probably a flat to down business overall for publishing, especially if you account for inflation over the last 15 years, uh, the growth has been really minimal. Um, so it's, it's not a high growth business, uh, all of publishing. So there, there, there'll be con- more consolidation pressure among the publishers. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tougher for smaller independent publishers to stay in business um, because there's just so much competition now and, um, and, 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 you know, the ebooks change the dynamics of the competition as well. In the old world of print, publishers were maybe putting out 300,000 books a year. Mm-hmm. And bookstores, you know, even a large bookstore might only be able to hold 50,000 titles in inventory. So books were constantly being pushed out of print. There was always a limited supply of books controlled by the publishers. But now there's an unlimited supply of books, thanks to ebooks. Excuse me. And these books never go out of print. Yes. So they, they, you know, I've referred many times in the past to them as like cobwebs of stainless steel. They're going to be on those shelves forever. The retailer wants to carry your book, even if you don't sell a single copy in a year. They want to carry your book. They want it on the shelf because they they recognize that their readers value diversity and discoverability of as many different titles as possible. Um, but that that creates pressures for the authors, pressures for the publishers. Um, and then when you look at the retailing space, I mean, we've already seen, you know, Barnes and Noble, Apple, Kobo. Um, they those retailers have suffered over the last five years. Even though, even and, though ebooks are uh, becoming more popular, you think the publisher they're not making enough money off of them, or why are they suffering? Their business. The, the, the sto- I think the story is probably a little bit unique for each of them. Okay, but Barnes and Noble. Which was an early pioneer in ebooks. Oh yeah, with the Nook, um, and for a while there was the, one of the largest sellers of mm-hmm. ebooks after Amazon. Um, they've been in a long-term decline. Yeah. They're losing customers to Amazon, and self-publishing and indie authors have had a big hand in that. Mm-hmm. You know, every time an author decides to make their ebook exclusive to Amazon for a period of three months that's a vote to put all the other retailers out of business. Mm -hmm. So there are millions of readers every single year that can't buy the books they want to buy at Barnes and Noble or Apple or Kobo Mm -hmm. or Smashwords. And they're forced to go to Amazon if they want that book. And so eventually, you know, all these different retailers 
start losing their customers, it makes it more difficult for them to to um, to do the great things they do for authors. It makes it difficult for them to operate their businesses. It makes it difficult for them to continue invest in inno- to invest in innovation, and and so it becomes death by a thousand cuts. And so I, I you know started talking about this back in 2011 when they first announced KDP Select that this would be the long term implication is that you're going to slowly starve these retailers of their customers, mm-hmm. reduce their ability to compete. That's what happened. Sony. An early pioneer in ebook retailing left the market. Barnes and Noble is is you know a shadow of their former self. Um, Kobo's not as significant as they were in the past. They're still a you know a significant player. Um, right. You know Apple's not as significant as they were in the past. I hate to say, and I love Apple. I mean, I love all of these retailers. I even love Amazon. I mean, every single retailer um, has the opportunity to do good in the world. That's by true. Introducing their customers to your books. Mm-hmm. That's the way the world should be. Is the more retailers out there, the more booksellers waking up every morning, spending their shower time thinking about how can I introduce more readers to more books that I love. Th- that that creates um, an, an amazing opportunities for authors, publishers, for book culture. You know, the more booksellers out there in the world, the better. But as it is right now, if you want to start an ebook startup, mm-hmm. you really don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Really? To you compete know, unless, with these other ones, especially yeah, Amazon. You can't. Yeah. Well, if it's really difficult, unless you're able to get, you know, $15 million in venture capital money <laughs> uh, and you're willing to lose millions of dollars to get started. Um, and even then, it's no guarantee because when you look at what's important to readers, um, readers value selection, yeah. price. Selection and price are like two of the biggest, most important factors. And convenience too, every, but everyone offers good convenience. Mm-hmm. Thanks to KDP Select, Amazon is always going to have you know somewhere between 1 million and however many books they have exclusive at Amazon. I don't know what it is. It might be 3 million books are exclusive at Amazon now. I don't know. So that's 3 million reasons that you can't shop anywhere else if you want to buy these books. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's, that's some of what's happening. You know, the, these are things that don't happen overnight. They happen slowly over time, drip, drip, drip. The, the lifeblood of these retailers is slowly being pulled away. So like, let's say you want to Let's let's say you love fantasy and you want to launch an ebook store that specializes in fantasy and you're going to do the best job curating fantasy and offer the best possible selection and great prices. You're going to serve your fantasy customers better than anyone else, but you can't get the inventory to serve your customers because it's locked up at Amazon exclusively. So you don't have a snowball's chance in hell of building a successful business. And if you do, you're just barely going to scrape by. The, the 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 playing field right now is not level for you know entrepreneur entrepreneurs um, and and that's not a good thing because we want that innovation in publishing. You want to see dozens of new publishing startups starting every single year, um, bringing new ideas to market. Um, but but as it is right now, I mean, most venture capitalists don't even want to talk to people that that want to launch a business that's going to compete against Amazon or launch a business that Amazon might enter overnight. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we've already seen it. Amazon announced that they're going to enter a market and (laughs) all the other companies in that market plunge. That's that's true. Okay. Well, I think let's... Uh, there, you have some really predictions that are hopeful. And I also want to talk about yes. things that authors can do. So you said reading because of COVID, because of the lockdown, because of the cancellation of the Trump show, uh, reading is still going to be popular in 2021. And I think that's, yeah. that's important. It, book sale, book, whether it's sales or giveaways or whatever we're doing, people are still hungry for books, but what we as authors too, what can we do? So you know, I think a lot of authors don't realize that AMS ads, running these ads are also cutting into our royalties, our bottom line. What are things we can do that we can help reverse these trends? Obviously, don't go KDP Select, publish wide is definitely one of them. But what else can authors do to try to reach readers and support a healthy marketplace where discoverability and a passion for reading is the most important thing? Yeah. Well, okay. So it, it starts with resisting the siren call of going exclusive at Amazon. Right. And I realize that's difficult for a lot of authors. Um, but that's the first step. So just support as many different retailers as possible mm-hmm. with your books. So get your books at all the different retailers on your website and your blog. And when you promote your books, list links to the different retailers. Let the reader decide which retailer they want to shop at. Give them the options. That's really important. You know, earlier we talked about, you know, the the consolidation and the dark side of that. Right. Well, there is a solution to that. There is a hopeful solution to that. And it, it it's in the hands of authors. It's more important than ever for authors to build a platform that they control so that their relationship with readers is no longer mediated by some third party, by some retailer, by some marketing platform. Um, so the author mailing list, the private mailing list, I think that is, you know, I've been beating this drum for a long time, but I think that should be every author's biggest priority for the year ahead is every single reader you have out there, your thousands of readers, you want every single one of them signed up for your mailing list. It's not enough for them to be following you on Twitter and Facebook because they're not seeing most of what you're putting out there on Twitter and Facebook. They're only going to see a small fraction of it. But if if you can get them on your mailing list, you control the message. You deliver the message to them when you want, and your readers will never miss another release of yours. So that that that's just really important. And that you know, that fits in with what we're doing with Smashwords pre-sales. Yeah, um, so that's what I want to talk you know, about. So you just launched this. I haven't tried it out, but I did I did get the email now that my book is like a week away saying, Hey, you want to try out the pre-sale? But I, I actually do pre-sales on my own website with sort of what you're suggesting, but this is something that other authors who aren't set up to sell right off their own website, this is a whole new feature and it's really exciting. Yeah. And even if you are already selling off of your own website, you might still want to consider using this tool. So let's talk about what this tool is. Um, you know, a, a lot of people don't even know what pre-orders are. Right. That's true. You know, when we talk about, when we talk about best practices, you know, we've been talking about pre-orders as one of the most important best practices for the last eight, nine years. Mm -hmm. Yet about 85% of self-published authors don't do pre-orders. Okay. That I can't imagine. (laughs) Even though authors who do pre-orders sell a lot more books than authors who don't like pre-orders are still one of the biggest secrets to selling more books. 
And it, it boggles no my mind idea. that most authors, it, it's every single author, you know, like listeners today, if you only take one thing away from this, do a do pre-order. It, right. Look at your publishing calendar for the next 12 months. Get yeah. everything up on pre-order now. You don't even need a cover. You don't even need a final manuscript. You can get that pre-order listing up at all the major retailers so you can start collecting orders now. It gives you more shelf space for longer. Yeah. Um, so do a pre-order. So with a pre-order, for authors who aren't familiar with them, since most aren't, um, a pre-order allows your customer to basically place an order reservation for your book when it comes out in the future. So your book has a future release date. The customer places the reservation with the pre-order. And then when the book releases on its public release date, uh, that book automatically appears in their library at the retailer on their device. Um, and their credit card is charged. So that's a pre-order. Customers love pre-orders. A pre-sale is different. So a pre-sale with a pre-order, you've got a single public announcement, day, a, a public release date across all the different retailers. With a pre-sale, you're doing an early, exclusive early release. So you're de- you're deciding to let certain customers have early access to your book. The power of a pre-sale for an indie author is that customers value timeliness, mm-hmm. especially your biggest fans. If they can read your book even a week, even a day before everyone else, they're going to lose their minds in a good way. <laughs> yes, they're so excited. And that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your job is to please your readers. And the readers who will be most pleased by a presale are going to be your super fans, yeah. your most important readers, because it's a way for you to say, hey, super fans, I'm going to let you read my book early. And it's going to make them enjoy the book more. It's going to make them want to talk about your book more to their friends. It's all good. Um, and so we built a system at Smashwords, and this is it's called Smashwords Presales, and it is yep. patent pending. So we filed a patent for it, which is fantastic. Um, um, that uh, that allows any author who's doing a pre-order at Smashwords to also do a pre-sale, and you can do a, a, either a public pre-sale. So it's merchandised in the Smashwords store, or you can do a private pre-sale where you might decide, okay, I'm going to control who has early access to my book. And I want to say, for example, um, I only want to offer access to subscribers to my private newsletter. And as a perk, as my thank you to all of these readers who signed up for my private mailing list, I'm going to give them exclusive early access to my new release. You know, I'm going to let them buy it two days early. Mm Mm-hmm. Or one day early or a week early. Doesn't matter. It's going to be early and the readers are going to lose their mind. That's awesome. Um, so that's what you can do. And the, and so this is, a, this is a chance for authors, I think, to retake their platform. Um, now, currently, no retailer, if you sell your ebook, is going to t- give you the email address of that customer. Right. Well, that changed with Smashwords presales. Um, when we launched it a little over a year ago. So now anyone who is purchasing your pre-sale is going to be given the option to subscribe to your private mailing list. And if they subscribe to, if they give Smashwords permission to share their email address with you, the author, then we Mm -hmm. will share that email address with you, the author for that pre-sale. And let's say that um, it's more important to you than anything to 
get as many readers onto your um, private mailing list. You could even offer, as part of the Smashwords pre-sales tool, you can offer to um, a special incentive for the for the reader to agree to share their email address with you, like a you know a discount. Right, and all oh, that can be done cool. within. The tool and a lot of the people who are using the pre-sales tool are doing that. They're offering like a dollar off, two dollars off to really encourage the customer to click the box to say, yeah, you have my permission. Sign me up for this author's private newsletter. Oh, that is um, really brilliant. <laughs> One and, that you're and, doing it and how it's working. That's really fascinating. Yeah. And, and we set it up, you know, we're, we're, we're big into privacy at Smashwords mm-hmm. and, and, you know, respecting people's email addresses. So we, we set it up so that in order for an author to even use that feature of capturing the email addresses, they have to agree to some very simple best practices of how they're going to handle this customer's email address. Yes. Yeah. It, but it's just basic stuff. Like you're not going to sell or rent that email. You're just going to use it for your own mailing list. Um, so yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool tool. Um, that I think is going to help put a lot of the power back into the hands of indie authors. I think I, and there's I mean, a lot more a, that we can. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, and the, there's a lot more we'll be doing with it at Smashwords as well. Oh, excellent. Like I said, so, between the coupons and the pre-sale, if someone's not sure, they should try out Smashwords. It's just, they might've heard rumors about the old meat grinder process and stuff, but I will get into that one some other time. It's not scary. I've been doing this for almost 10 years. It's a fantastic platform. So Yes, Meat Grinder is infamous. <laughs> it is. I have to admit, you started taking EPUBs, though, and because I use Vellum, and I haven't. Yeah. There's beautiful. It's fine. It's not a problem. We've been taking, you know, author-produced EPUBs for yeah. eight years. Yet yeah, I still see people online complaining that, you know, Smashwords makes me do Microsoft Word. No, no we don't. No, no. <laughs> you can. You, it's your ebook, your way. So you can right. upload Word. Most authors still do Word. I mean, do Word they? is a great wow. tool because that you upload that single file, that single mm-hmm. Word file, and we produce it into multiple ebook file types. Right. Um, and Word is easy to control. Um, but you know, Vellum's great too. Oh, um, yeah. So if you use Vellum, use Vellum. It works yeah. and it gets out to all the stores. You're still my distributor and I can go into my dashboard and see all my sales across all the distribution and like daily sales, the one shot deal. It's it's so convenient that it's crazy not to be trying this with somebody. And I think you guys have the cornerstone in innovation. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're still coming up with these new ideas and that you're patenting them so that Amazon and other places won't just steal them away from you anymore. Well, you know, we're trying to patent it. Yeah. So um, it, it's not easy to get a patent, especially a patent like this. Mm. Um, it, it's, you know, because it touches a lot of things. It doesn't just touch ebooks. Right. It touches anything sold online. Oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> That'll be a challenge. Well, yeah. It, so, you know, we, we have been um, going back and forth with the U.S. Patent Office. Um <laughs> And I, I don't know if we're going to get it or not. Oh, fingers you know, crossed. I'm for still, you. Uh, yeah, got my fingers crossed. Um, it, but, you know, our hope is that once we get the patent, we want to license this broadly. We want everyone using it. We want our competitors using it. And we're going to make it, um, 
you know, I, I, I think it's really going to help level the playing field for indie authors if more indie authors can start using this and taking the power back. Because with a pre-sale, you decide, you, you, get to, you get to basically harness the power, the anticipation that of, you know, thousands of readers dying to get your next release. You get to trade that anticipation for something that benefits you, the author. Yeah. And that's the ability for you to build your platform, to sell your book at a higher royalty rate, because, you know, the Smashwords store pays up to 80% list. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, you know, even, even 99 cent books often earn 80% list if there's enough books in the customer shopping cart. Yeah, there's really no reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So it's, it's exciting to see, um, you know, the early adopters experimenting with it and doing neat things with it yeah i i think i still have a few days till my release maybe i will go put this in i didn't realize i could get the email list or email address so i I, yeah i might go give this a go tonight yeah so you know if you think about it um i don't know how many people you have following you on facebook or twitter it might be thousands um those are soft followers yeah and to get them to your opportunity yeah. is to convert all of those soft followers into hard followers on your private mailing list so that you can reach them. Um, so that this, the tool will help. That's perfect. Well, thank you. I mean, we've almost been to an 50 minutes, so I don't want to take up all your time. You're CEO of a very, to me, a very important company. So It's a highfalutin title. Oh, well, that's all right. I think it's important. I love what you, I love that, what you're doing for indie authors that you have smash words, but that there's someone out there fighting basically for author. You're an author, you know, have our voices heard to take back, like you said, the power of what other places are trying to claim. I mean, you only make so much money off of a book. I'm happy that over time, you know, indie books have gone from like two ninety nine to the average price to four ninety nine, five ninety nine. but that's still not much time for books that can take months and months and months to write. So it's nice that there's someone fighting for higher royalties for us to keep control of our careers of the, of what really is the heart of the indie author movement, which is us controlling our fate. Well, it's certainly what we fight for. And um, we need to see more indie authors fight for it as well. Because, um, you know, we talked earlier, there are many indie authors that will willingly surrender their independence to give it up. They'll surrender royalty rates. They'll surrender their ability to price their own books. They'll surrender, they'll surrender their rights, all in exchange for the promise of more visibility. And it's um, it's a slippery slope. You know, we talked about devaluation. There's massive devaluation pressure out there because there is a glut of high quality books on the market. Mm. Um, and and so it creates a situation where someone like Amazon can take advantage of that glut. And that's exactly what they're doing. They've decided to, you know, create a tiered market. And there's certain authors that play by certain rules that can get the visibility. And those are the authors where Amazon pays less. <laughs> and it's making sense. And it's all pretty transparent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And I, like I said, I think that it's fantastic that you're fighting for the indie author and trying to wake us up when you start, you know, you get tied up in trying to do sales and trying to generate, you know, read, like you said, trading in for readers or 
taking a lower royalty to get better exposure to remembering what the bigger picture is and what the whole market is. Like I said, I did an art degree, art English degree, not marketing. So it's important that someone is speaking about the other side. Yeah. And also, you know, so much of the conversation, um, when you see what indie authors are talking about, much of the conversation focuses on the wrong thing. You know, it's like, how do I please Amazon's algorithms? Mm-hmm. I mean, should we allow our futures to be censored by algorithms? No. And other conversations aren't happening. Like, I think a lot of authors are losing sight of the importance of quality. Nothing's more important than craft and your ability to write a reader-pleasing book. It's true. Looks like we uh, might have lost our connection there for a little bit. Yeah, it froze just a little bit. Hopefully it came back. We'll see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, you know, I think there, there's still lots of great opportunity for authors. I think the pandemic kind of um, reminded readers and former readers about the joys of books. And so I think that's going to stick with us for a while. I think we're going to see increased reading for the next couple of years just because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I mean, and in readership, ebooks marketing, you know, there are still areas growing. So I think there's still a future to be an author, whether it's, oh, yeah. you know, how much you're making or what you're in it for it for success is a different platform, but looking at the whole perspective and maybe what you want your legacy, what is the indie market? You know, are we trying to sell out our rights again? It's a good question to ponder and think about when you're deciding where to publish. Focus on the long-term. That's really what indie authors should do. You know, ask yourself, how will my decision impact my future five years from now? And if you start thinking that way, then indie authors will start making smarter decisions and they'll start reaping better results over the long term. You know, even when we talk about this being a massive, you know, talking about the 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 market being flat for a long time for publishing, mm-hmm. that the publishing market's not a lucrative growth market. Well, it's still a multi-billion dollar business. There's still amazing opportunity for every single author if they focus on what matters most. So focus on the craft of writing the most reader-pleasing book that you can. Take your readers to an emotionally satisfying extreme because good books aren't good enough anymore. Your book (laughs) needs to be super awesome. So if you're going to spend money on anything, spend it on editing. Mm. Write the most incredible book you can because the most incredible book is going to be the best marketing for that book. Great books market themselves. Um, and then, you know, study best practices. You know, I've written books about best practices. Uh, you know, all my books are available for free. So the Smashwords book marketing guide, every author can take advantage of that. You don't even need to be at Smashwords. It's a free ebook. It's 65 free book marketing ideas. Um, it's all focused on best practices. So these are not ephemeral flash in the pan tricks. These are things that are going to work, you know, just as well today as they worked five years ago and five years from now. You know, these are the essentials. If you get the best practices down, um, you'll have a much more successful long-term career. And one of those best practices that we talked about, of course, is pre-orders. And pre-sales. <laughs> and, well, and pre-sales, pre-sales are a new best practice. Um, and, you know. But let's get more people doing pre-orders as well. <laughs> okay. That sounds I'm gonna put that down on our, our market our list of topics for the podcast because I did not realize that most authors weren't doing pre-orders. So 
We'll the, get the, that one. The numbers covered, are pretty startling. All right. Um, if, if you go back and you look at some of the old Smashword surveys that I published at the blog, okay, you know you've got this very small percentage of authors doing pre-orders, and those are the authors that are on the USA Today best, bestseller list. All right, those are the authors that are scooping up all the sales for the new books in their genre. It's the okay. pre-order authors. So do I will, I will go and scoop up that data, and if I can't find it, I'll email Jim, and I'm sure he can find it for me. <laughs> yeah. But. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time and yeah, being Autumn, here. Thank you. And I appreciate it. And if anyone has questions, we're going to link up to your 2021 predictions and Smashwords and have authors go check it out and see everything that you guys offer, as well as, you know, you have some good predictions and some incredible best tips of what we should be doing. So thank you so much for doing that every single year, not just this year. All right. Well, great. Thanks, Autumn. Thank you. Good luck. And so Jesper will be back next week and we will be discussing a one of our humorous ones on some systems. You come back and check it out. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>